Lazarus. I wonder if he knew. I wonder if he knew it was it for him. This was his moment when death was going to come and take him. Because death stalks all of us, hangs around at the periphery of our lives, and sometimes we don't see death for months or years. We may almost forget that death is lurking, stalking our lives, until suddenly it strikes. I wonder if it was like that for Lazarus and his sisters, out of nowhere, dramatic, unexpected. Sometimes death, though, comes more slowly. We barely perceive it as it emerges from the periphery of our lives. We don't recognize it, perhaps, but it grows. And as it grows, it begins to dominate our entire vision, and it takes everyone in its path without mercy, utterly. Ruthlessly, death will take a loved one, a wife, a husband, a child, a father, a mother, a friend, and one day, it will come for you and for me. There are two questions, two questions that we need to ask in the face of death, I would suggest. Number one is this, how will we cope with our impending death, whether soon or long? And question two, how should we live given that death will take everything? All that we've worked for, all that we've hoped for, our careers, our families, our possessions. How should we live knowing that death will sweep everything away? It was the question that the Russian novelist Tolstoy says in his confessions almost drove him to the brink of suicide, knowing that death would leave nothing behind. Two questions. How do you face your own death? And how should we live? Let's have a look at them. How do we cope with our death? There is, I think, in all of us a primal fear of death. You see it in some cultures. Death is portrayed in ways that are terrifying. And I think there is something like that that lurks in all of us. And so, so much of our approach to death is an attempt to minimize those fears. So does the Australian way of coping with death. I call it the Australian way because do you know that almost 100% of Australians think that it's really important to have a will? And almost 50% of Australians don't have a will. I find that intriguing. 
Presumably that means that almost 50% of us don't think that death is coming to us at least any time soon. Either that or we think if we don't make a will, death won't come. Maybe that's your approach, the Australian approach to death. Of course, the Willoughby way of approaching death is much more sophisticated. It's quinoa. Well, actually, it's quinoa and lycra. Healthy eating and exercise. That's the Willoughby way of dealing with death, which, of course, isn't a way of dealing with death at all. It's, at best, a way of postponing death and means that I can put off thinking about it for some time. Maybe that's your approach. The Willoughby approach. And then there's what I call the pagan approach to death. In the first century in Greece and Rome, when you went to the temple, there would be sacrifices, an animal would be killed, and it was a reminder to you that death was a part of life. Death happened so that life might happen. So maybe that's your approach to death, to normalize it. It's just a part of existence. Just accept it. And then there's the Disney approach to death. We tell fairy stories. They're in a much better place. They're united. They're with the angels. They're floating with the stars. To which we ought to ask the question, how do you know? What makes you say that? The Disney approach to death. So which is yours? How are you coping with death? The Australian way, so trying to forget it. The Willoughby way. The pagan way. Are you clinging on to fairy stories? I'm hoping something will last beyond death. Well, that's the first question. Then there's the second question. How should we do life given that death will sweep everything away? It will take your career, your money, your house, your family, everything that you've invested in. Here are two ways that I often find that people deal with this. First of all, they just try to enjoy life as much as they can for as long as they can because they know it won't last. Or they try to build up a reputation that they hope will last beyond death. Or they think about living on through their children and leaving a legacy in terms of the people I've influenced and especially my family. Two ways of living life. And you can do both of those things, of course. Enjoy life while you can for as long as you can because it isn't going to last. Make the most of Willoughby and try and leave a legacy. Live on through your children, through your reputation, through the firm that you build, through the career that you construct. 
The important thing about the story of Lazarus is this. We can read that story of the friend who falls ill and the grieving sisters as they watch him die and then lose him. And despite their best efforts, nothing saves him. And we can relate to that because we too will experience those whom we love die and we're powerless to do anything about it. We can relate to this story. It's our story. And Lazarus is us, isn't he? One day, death will come for you and for me. But the most important thing about this story is neither of those things, important as they are, the most important thing about this story is that it tells us how Jesus deals with death, and the way that he deals with death is utterly unexpected in the story, and it's utterly unexpected for us, I suspect, as well. So would you turn, please, to page 1077 in the Bibles, to the passage that Katrina read to us from John chapter 11. Page 1077. In verse 21, when Jesus turns up, Martha, one of the sisters, turns to Jesus and says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. You could have healed him. You've healed others. You've rescued others. I know that you could have healed my brother, but you weren't here. And I guess that's the best we can hope for, isn't it? That some miracle cure will turn up and deal with the cancer. Or something extraordinary will happen. Or maybe even God will intervene and postpone death. Because that's the best we can hope for, to postpone death to some other occasion. But look at Jesus' reply in verses 25 and 26. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. See, Jesus' way of dealing with death is not to postpone it. It isn't to give us a way of coping with death. It isn't that he comes to normalize death for us so that we can accept it. It isn't even to tell us that there is something beyond death. Jesus comes to redefine death by destroying the power of death. And that's why he says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. The moment will come when you die, Jesus says, but if you believe in me, that death will not be the end because I am going to redefine death by removing its power. And why can he do that? Because he is the resurrection. That's why. He has power over life and death. And when he goes to the tomb of Lazarus and calls out, Lazarus, come out. Death cannot hold Lazarus. And Lazarus comes stumbling out of the grave, tied up with his grave clothes, because Jesus is the resurrection. Whoever believes in me, though they die, 
yet shall they live. The day will come when Jesus will say, Graham, come out. Because he is the resurrection. Jesus did not come to give us a way of coping with death. He came to deal with death by destroying its power. Whoever believes in me, though they die, they they will live. That's his answer to the first question. How do you deal with death? I'm going to deal with it, he says, because I am the resurrection. But what about the second question? How should we live life? Well, you remember what Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He says two things about himself. You see, Jesus is the source of life not the ordinary human life that we all possess, but a different kind of life. And so he says, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. There is a life that Jesus alone can give because he is the life that is a life from above, a life from God, a supernatural life that we are born into as we come to faith in Jesus Christ And death cannot touch that life or anything to do with it. So whoever believes, whoever lives believing in me will never die because that life cannot die. Ordinary life will get swept away. Everything that you invest in and I invest in that is so precious to us, including the most important things, including the family that we love and the people we love and we care for, the careers we build, the houses we build, all of that will be swept away by death. But this new life cannot be touched by death. I am the resurrection and the life, says Jesus. I have come to bring people life, life to the full. And that means that all that we do as we live out that new life in this era, this side of death, as we live out the new life, the life from above, everything to do with that life has significance and purpose and will last for eternity. Whoever lives this new life believes in me will never die. Two answers that Jesus gives to those two questions. How do you cope with death? He says, I've come to redefine death. And how do you live your life? You accept this new life that I've come to bring because I am the life. How are you answering those two questions? We're all doing it. You may be so busy that you've never thought about it, but you are living out an answer to that, those questions, all of us. Ah. How are you answering the questions? The Australian way, the Willoughby way, the pagan way, the Disney way, or the Jesus way? Because there's only one that works.
I don't know whether you noticed, but there are two deaths in this story and two resurrections. Did you notice that? There's the obvious death, the death of Lazarus, the one that we can relate to. But there's another death which is much more significant than Lazarus' death, and that's the death of Jesus. He's heading to Jerusalem where he's going to be killed. They're going to put him to death. And in fact, ironically, it is his raising of Lazarus that in a sense seals his fate because later on in the chapter you read about how the religious authorities, the leaders of the people, those who held the power, who are so threatened by Jesus when they hear about the resurrection of Lazarus, say that's the last straw. We now have to do something. We must kill Jesus. Jesus is on his way to his death. But his death is totally different from that of Lazarus. Lazarus has no choice about his death, neither do we. When death comes for us, finally, it will take us. But Jesus chooses to die, to allow death to win and to take him so that he could take on death for us and destroy its power. Two deaths and two resurrections. Lazarus, of course, is raised from the dead. There's that extraordinary moment where Jesus stands at the tomb. He's been dead for four days. They're worried that his corpse will stink. And Jesus stands there and says, Lazarus, come out. Because he is the resurrection. But there is another resurrection that's to come. Much greater than that of Lazarus. One day, like Lazarus, they will take the lifeless body of Jesus and place him in a tomb. And like Lazarus, they will wrap him in grave clothes. When Lazarus comes out, he comes out because Jesus says, come out. Lazarus can't raise anybody. He responds to the word of Jesus. Jesus will emerge from death and from the tomb and from the grave clothes victorious over death because he is the resurrection. He has the power over life and over death. And he does it for us. Two questions. How are you facing the prospect of your death? How are you dealing with your mortality? And how are you living life in the light of the fact that one day you will die? There's a third question. It's a really personal question. Jesus asked Martha a question. Having said, I am the resurrection and the life, the one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He asks the question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? That question is amongst the most important questions you can ever address. Do you believe that? 
that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe it? Notice that this is not a question about whether we recognize Jesus' ability to raise the dead. The authorities realized that he had the authority to raise the dead. They had the living proof in the person of Lazarus. But so incensed were they, they wanted to kill Lazarus to get rid of the evidence. You can believe that Jesus has the power to raise the dead, but that's not the belief that Jesus is asking about here. This isn't about whether you believe Jesus was an extraordinary person who could do remarkable things, whether he lives on, whether the resurrection is true or not. This is a profoundly personal question that requires a personal response. And you get a hint of this in the reply of Martha in verse 27. Notice it's a personal response. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. She still trusts Him, even though her brother has died. You can see it in those phrases that Jesus uses in verses 5 and, uh, 25 and 26. The one who believes in me. Whoever lives by believing in me. The belief that Jesus is talking about is a profound personal response to Jesus. It is to say in effect to Jesus, I believe that there is nobody like you. No one has the authority you have. There is no one more extraordinary. There is no one more significant than you. And I submit my life to you. You are my Lord. And it is to trust that what Jesus says is true. To trust your life to him when he says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. That whoever believes in me, though they die, they will live. And whoever lives believing in me will never die because they've been given this new life, this life from above that comes only from Jesus Christ. Do you believe in that kind of way? Because everything turns on that. Everything. Do you believe? As we close, and then prepare to go to the communion, I'm going to invite you to do a couple of things. You should all have received one of these cards when you came in. Uh, we love having visitors, and if you're visiting with us here, we'd love you to fill in your details. And when the collection plate comes around, please just put this, your slip, into the collection plate, and we'll invite you to have some food, and you can get to know some of us. But I'm also going to invite some of you you say, I want to respond to Jesus. That question, do I believe I want to say yes to Jesus? 
I'm not sure what all of that means, but I want to say yes to Jesus because of who he is. And I want to say yes to his authority over my life. And I want to say yes, I trust that he is the resurrection and the life. And yes, I want that new life that Jesus offers. I want to say yes to that. In a moment, we're going to have a time of quiet and prayer. And I want to invite you to pray that prayer, your own prayer, quietly, to say yes to Jesus. Say it in your own words. Be saying yes to Jesus. And if you do that, what I'd love you to do is when you fill this card in, in just a moment, as well as your details, you just put a little asterisk in the top left-hand corner or a cross or something like that. And that will signal to us that you'd like to find out something more. So if you pray that prayer, just put a little cross on this sheet as you hand it in. Or if you say, I just want to find out more about what it means to know Jesus, to know resurrection, to know this new life, again, just put a little cross on there and we'll get back to you. Let's bow our heads and let's be quiet. An opportunity for you to respond and and then I'll give you a moment or two to fill in the cards and then I'll pray. If you would like to fill in some details so that we can get to know you, please do that. If you prayed that prayer or you want to find out something more, fill in some details and just put a cross there. Just take a moment or two to do that, and then I'll pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this reminder today of the resurrection of Jesus. We thank you that that means that death has been dealt with. And there is an invitation to all of us to respond, to receive the new life that Christ came to bring, because he is the life. And to experience that resurrection life now that will last into eternity because Jesus is the resurrection. Father, I want to pray for some people here this morning who might be struggling with some of these things. Father, please, would you help them to understand, to respond? To those who are reaching out to you this morning, Father, please encourage them. Thank you that you never turn anyone away who comes to you through Christ. And Father, may be that all of us go out 
knowing what it is to know the new life that Christ has for us so that we can face our own death, knowing that the power of death has been defeated, and go out to live our lives knowing that we live out the new life that you've given to us in Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.